welcome to the Social Ideas Podcast, brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungru. Richard Accarelli is a busy man. He's a student on our Masters in Social Innovation programme, and he's the founder and CEO of East London Connects, a charity which encourages youngsters from ethnic minority backgrounds to realise their potential through education. Richard's aim is to increase the number of BAME students in Russell Group Universities, a group which represents the UK's top 24 universities. I began the interview by asking Richard what it was that motivated him to work with young people. I kind of thought to myself, right, I live in East London, I live in Stratford, and the prices of houses are just ridiculous, like, you know, almost half a million. And I thought, how is it that young people from my background or different backgrounds, how do we able, are we able to afford to live in this area? So I looked at it and I thought, it's education and it's profession. If you have a certain level of education, if you are in a certain profession, you're more likely to be able to work, live and work in certain places. So my job and what I've been doing since 2017 is working with local schools in Stratford, Redbridge, and now in Ealing, in different boroughs, to help them to say, how can we readdress that? How can we make sure that there's more people from ethnic minorities getting into Russell Group Universities and are feeling comfortable to be there? And then also, at the same time, looking at different careers and trying to make sure that we break this kind of stigma in BME communities that you can only be a lawyer, doctor, or whatever it is. But actually, I study German. A lot of my friends study different things. If you are broad in your outlook, it can help you and actually, if you have employability skills, you can have transferable skills. So that was so that's in essence what we do. Why is there? Do you feel such a a pull towards the traditional careers, being a doctor, a lawyer, a business person? Good question. I've asked my mum the question so many times. Why must I be? You know, because I remember when I said to my mum I wanted to study German. She's like, Ja, man, what is? How are you gonna get a job? How are you gonna pay your bills and stuff? And I think there is this well-intended view that if you're able to provide and if you're in a profession, it's stability that they may not have had when they came to this country in the 80s or before that at the wind rush because there were limited opportunities for people of ethnic minorities. So they're saying, don't struggle like we did. Get a profession where it's much easier and more stable and more economically powerful for you to do it. And I think that's where the, the logic behind it but I think at the same time for this younger generation what I would love to do is to say even if you study German and your mum thinks what the hell is this be excellent and be passionate about what you do and when you're successful they'll be like that's my son that's my daughter because you know I studied German and we made it came to a compromise you know Nigerians say you know you must do business I did German in business but when I was a consultant traveling the world and I was in a German office and when the financial crisis happened I wasn't limited to jobs in London so it's almost like if I wasn't passionate, if I didn't love what I did, if I didn't go the extra mile for what I love to do, I wouldn't have been as good as I could have been and got a job in Germany or where else or wherever else. So I think it's to do with economic stability, but also the beauty of what we have now as young generation is we can pursue our passion. And if you're excellent at it, you will, the money will come. It's a naive question to ask, but it's one that I will ask nonetheless. Why do you think in 2019 we are still battling 
issues around identity, issues around finding acceptance within Russell Group universities. Why are young BME students still concerned and still almost convinced that, th- that this is not something that they're entitled to? It's a very good question. <laughs> and I think when you uncover it and start to say, right, it's not BME. Bangladeshi is different from Caribbean, Caribbean is different from Congolese, Congolese is different from whatever. It's then a sense of belonging. The sense of, am I going to be accepted for who I am? And do I then, and it, and it stems from this danger of I'm a minority, and also does it reflect wider in community? I can feel comfortable, but actually when I go home, when I go on the bus, when I go on the train, when I'm in, in certain places, Am I treated differently? Am I accepted in society? So I think that's a wider problem, but in, in, individually, it's more to do with how do we as individuals from, I'm from British Nigerian, how do I feel comfortable in myself? Not just in British society, but within my own cultural Nigerian society. And then bringing that confidence in who I am to those places. So it's not necessarily We can blame organisations, we can blame uh, minorities or whatever. We can blame kind of society or we can blame universities or whatever. But I think there's a lot of work, that inner work, to say, how do I have this double consciousness that they say in the research? In which case, then, what are you doing? You you talk about the the organisation that you've started and that it's been running for the last couple of years. How, then, are you taking these young kids and showing them what opportunities are available to them. So, as part of East London Connect, what we do is we're working with lo- with colleges at Cambridge. So, um, some that are partnered with the local boroughs that we're working with. So, that might be Redbridge, that might be Ealing, that might be East London, where I'm from. And making sure that we bring them up to Cambridge and sometimes specifically asking, do you have people of a similar heritage to speak to them? And it really makes a difference. Like one guy in year nine from a school in East London, Stratford, came up here and they've, has, he's been selected as one of the guys who has a potential one day to go there. And so when he came up to Cambridge, you know, I asked specifically for people from a certain community to be able to speak to them. And he met a guy who's doing English at Cambridge, his first year or second year um, undergraduate. And he said, the only reason you don't get into Cambridge is if you don't apply. And he was like, like what Sir said, if I, you know, I might apply for Cambridge, I probably wouldn't have, but Sir said, if I don't apply, I won't get in. And it's kind of that, that he took what this young man said to him because they were similar, the young man understands where he's coming from, and then he knew how to speak to him. And that assimilation and that familiarity has potentially aspired a young, one young year nine boy who would ordinarily not come to Cambridge wouldn't have known that there's a college linked to his area. And not only that, there's someone who looks like him, understands him, who's also here. Who do you think the responsibility lies with to encourage this? Is it the university? Is it the Russell Group? Is it individuals like you who are running organisations? Is it within the family? Is it the school? I think, interestingly, I think it's probably something where it's a collaboration. It's teachers you know I went to a, a church and I said I'm sure you want your children to do well as lots of African parents want their child's to, children to do well and I said so but how many of you knew what a Russell group is 
you can't encourage kids to go to a place that you as a parent don't understand you know <laughs> so then and then how can you encourage how can you help the kids so out of i don't know 30 kids only uh, only two or three parents knew what a russell group was and then it's par- it's parents working with the schools to say what is my child studying how can we encourage them what do they need to do do you think that there will ever be a time when this is a norm, where people like you are not having to go out actively to encourage, to explain, to enable? I think as a society, we have to change how we look at education in itself. If we look at British society, not just now, recent history, but tradition, longer view, um, you see that actually we are brought up in a class system. From the Middle Ages, you had the peasants, you had the commoners, you had the landowners. We come from a society that likes to categorise people. So I think in that way, I think it's really, really important that we as a society have to rethink how we categorise people. BME isn't BME. It's Nigerian, it's Bangladeshi, it's uh, Moroccan. It's can we develop our understanding of individuals as an inter-identity, and then, as a society, can we have a more broader sense of, if you go to a Russell Group, yes, you have better opportunities, but why don't we have a broader university system, like in Germany, that wherever you go, you're likely to get a good job? You're a young black man who is at Cambridge University, studying a Master's in Social Innovation. You are living proof of what you are encouraging your students to do. Now, it's not so much about your experience here. It's, it's more about understanding those challenges. And, and do you understand the challenges? Have you experienced those challenges that you're fairly certain your students will have to deal with? And how do you explain to them how to cope? Yes, I think it's a process. So it's not like a answer of this is what you do and this is what you don't do and this is how you cope with this or this is how you cope. It's one of the things that you'll always um, face, especially if you go, the higher up you go or if you're at a place like Cambridge is wow, I'm at Cambridge oh my gosh, this is one of the top universities in the country and potentially in the world so it's when you don't think that's a right and you think that's a privilege you can almost sometimes not feel confident or that you belong. So that's a process. I remember when I first came, I had an offer already, and I someone asked me, "What about you know, introduce yourself?" And I was like, "Hi, my name is," and, and you could hardly hear me. And I think you grow in confidence in who you are, and you grow in confidence, and you by demonstrating your work. As long as you can demonstrate, you can do well, and you're passionate about your work. Let your work speak for you in these circles, because if you don't, then you're trying to negotiate your identity with your colour, with your difference, as opposed to you can engage in any conversation if you understand and you're doing your research. If you're not reading, if you're not passionate about your subject, it's going to tell. You're going to be encountering the top academics in, in the world. So if you are not passionate or reading, you're not necessarily going to be able to engage and that then causes other issues of potentially not fitting in. So my advice and what has helped me, wherever you study, whatever Russell group, whatever subject you choose, make sure it's something that you're passionate about so that you have a unique angle on what you love. You know, 
sometimes I might watch something on television, but because they are so passionate about what they are saying and because they are founded in what they're saying in terms of they've done the reading, I will listen. As opposed to if I try to contribute to something that I have not read, not really grounded information in, I'm limited into what I can, to, to what I can contribute. And then that causes an insecurity. So I would say, just love what you do, be passionate about what you do, and have your own unique stance on what it is. Engage with what you read. So then when you come and say, what do you think? Like, well, I read this, and looking at it from this angle, you might have a unique angle because you might see it from an angle which hasn't been looked at before. Or other people in your class from a different background might not see it the same. So I think it's, one, being confident and passionate about what you do, and two, not being afraid to share your opinion because your difference will make a difference to this place. You know, I think I'm the only one from East London on my course. So I might have an East London perspective on the literature that we're reading that someone from Venezuela might not have. So your difference is not a disadvantage, but it's actually enriching because that's what Cambridge is, exchanging of ideas, exchanging of knowledge. And if you are silent or not willing to share your ideas, you are doing us a disservice because it's all about sharing ideas. Do you ever worry that you're here because you're black? Um, I hope not. <laughs> um, I think I'm here because it's a vigorous process that they have to prove that people are not here for the wrong reasons. You know, we have accusations of people who are from certain backgrounds privileged backgrounds who get in easier so in the same way you know you don't want to have the assumption that people from certain backgrounds are only chosen because of xyz even if it is representation and it's a good example so i think i'm here not only because i have certain characteristics that may or may not be desirable but beyond that i think i have something to contribute I have some, you know, one of the great questions I had in my interview was, what can you add to us? And I thought it was a very interesting question, a question that I wasn't really expecting. But it's, I believe I'm here because I can add something. It might sound a bit pretentious to say that you can add something to Cambridge, but I think I add something as an individual that isn't necessarily represented, that isn't necessarily common, but I have an angle that can contribute something. So I think, am I here just because I'm like, Probably the answer is no. I think there's much more to it. But does that play a part in a wider narrative of underrepresentation, potentially? That was Richard Accarelli talking about the work he does, challenging the perceptions diverse groups have of their educational potential. You can find out more about the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you.